0: This is the Life School Podcast, episode number 194. Rising sea levels, raging storms, ferocious fires, and punishing floods. Is something changing on our planet, or is all of this just normal? Welcome to the Life School Podcast, where each week you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. This is the stuff that your parents, teachers, and pastors forgot to tell you. I'm Heath Hollinsby, here with your host, Caesar Kalinowski. My brother, Heath. How's it going today, man? Good. What's happening? Well, you know, it's
1: that time of year. It has not snowed where we live yet. Not yet. But it is. It's going crazy
0: Snow. <laughs> snowing in, all over. Up horribly. in the mountains, it is. It hasn't I dipped was, down to us. You
1: know, Thanksgiving, a couple weeks back, right, or so, we... Uh, we were all home, and I was so grateful. I'm watching all the closures and you know <laughs> stuff like that. So <laughs> I, I'm, I am looking forward to the Christmas, and I am super stoked that I don't have to go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, so that answers the question I was going to ask: Is if, if you guys were traveling anywhere for the big day? No, we're all here pretty much. You know, yeah. I got a few sisters back in the Midwest, but sure. um, we don't. They normally, we're doing stuff with our own families and kind of you know they're grown up kids now and all that. But uh, yeah, no, my daughter will be flying in from Chicago. Nice, yeah. She'll be here. Neil Justine Arena um, but I you know I kind of fear getting stuck in snowstorms somewhere and stranded yeah you know like it's like I've watched planes
0: trains and automobiles too many times you know it ends. something yeah I know I've well talked- it ends it, it ends just barely making it right you know I've talked to like three or four people lately whose parents go to Arizona for Christmas I'm like, why do you go to the desert for Christmas? Like, yeah. Well, I I want the nostalgia. Have a blast with that. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy the cactus. Not, not on my short list. But, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Okay, man. The weather outside is beautiful today, and we've had some amazing weather in the Northwest lately, except for the crazy rains the other day. Was that nuts? It felt like I was back in the South. I went
1: out in the yard during the rain, and I accidentally stepped in the yard. It was like (laughs) just mush fest, and. I tell you, I've never experienced rain like that since moving here in 2004. That was crazy. Even the thunder and lightning, we don't get much of that. It was crazy. And my grandson, Patton, he was Uh. all about it. He was a little afraid, but super enamored with it, right? Well, listen, good transition, my brother, because there has been a lot of talk in the news this week due to this new climate assessment that the feds just released yep have you seen it yeah i mean it's huge i you know i haven't read it all right but but uh and i've been following it a little more closely than usual because it seems like something pretty important and it's it's probably the most i think elaborate and well done report on this right and so many different people weighed in on it um i don't think it's something to ignore and just kind of hope for the best anymore sure you know and you know we we've talked about climate before with with uh you know Catherine hayhoe right oh man and um you know and i'm learning there's a difference between climate and weather and i'm learning it from her she says weather is what happens on a certain day in a certain place sure so like when we had the rains the other day crazy weather right now i know there's drought somewhere else so you're like well it's obviously not dry on the plant. well yeah weather is what happens like now <laughs> okay but climate is the long-term average of what happens on the planet over 20 or 30 years or longer, and we can study that. So, you know, I'm looking at, like, rising sea levels. That's real. Sure. You can measure that. Raging storms that we've had this year. It's been kind of nuts. I have family down in Florida, and it's been like, whoa, they're hammered. I got friends... On the other side of Florida, and they're still, I mean, it's just they're recovering forever. There's oh. been crazy heat and these fires in California, man, a couple weeks ago, Destroying everything. Drought in so much of the world, and, and then floods. You know, there's flooding now where the fires were, right? It's just like, wow. So the effects of climate change sure seem real to me. Something, yep. Something's going on. And are already threatening our health and our communities. They have. I mean, it's been so expensive to the nation. Sure. Our economy, our security, and possibly our future.
0: And it's not just here in the States where you and I live. It's, yeah. it's going on everywhere, right? Well, and you know, it reminds me of uh, when we did have Catherine Hayhoe on. That was a while back. We, I remember you and I afterwards hanging up the phone going, what a fun episode. Like, oh, I learned so much. helpful. I felt like my heart shifted
1: on the whole issue because I didn't know that much. Yeah. And it was like, oh, you know, I don't know. Is it real? You know, it's like. Wow, I learned a lot. And when you're talking to like one of the preeminent climate scientists in the world, and is yeah. such a gentle, grace-filled Jesus person, person yeah. yeah, you're like,
0: wow, this is really hitting my heart. But when yeah. you when you got you sent me the text saying, hey, did you see this report? Because Catherine Hayhoe is all over it. And I thought, yeah, she's that one is of the co-authors.
1: And in the last few days. Like the media has been blowing up, like, and she become like the face of the whole thing. Yeah, like from the like, she's not the only author, right? But she co-authored it. Sure. And I don't know if you saw this. Catherine taped an interview for CNN that was supposed to air yesterday. Okay. So the day that you know we're recording this, but her interview was bumped, and it was replaced by one with a former politician that uh, claimed on air that climate change scientists are all driven by money. <laughs> And if you know, coming her, from a politician, that's yeah, kind of funny. Yeah. And she's like, she doesn't make nothing doing this. And, and her husband's a pastor, you know, it's right. Yeah. And so, and then, and then he, so he said they're all driven by money before praising the current administration for attempting to bury the report oh. that they funded. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I was, I was looking at this article, Heath, and it, here, I'll just quote from it a little bit. It says, uh, Catherine Hayhoe, co-author of the latest federal climate assessment and director of the Texas tech climate center, okay. uh, science center. Um, has been vocal about the administration's response to its own report on climate change. That's probably why she's on the news a lot, right? And while this makes her an ideal subject to speak truth to power about the reality of global warming, her latest interview for Anderson Cooper 360 didn't air.
0: Oh, I did see that. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so she's tweeting all over the place and and she tweets our stuff. And I, if we tweet about her, I mean, she's the real deal, right? And So she's like, let me, she tweeted uh, yesterday. Let me share the sad reality. Anderson 360 uh, asked if I could join them. You know, tonight on, you know, on air and talk about the national climate assessment. And she said, and I wrote him, I just arrived for a TED talk in town and I really need to practice my talk. They said, please, please, we'll send a car. So I'll summarize it. She gets over there and she gets all the makeup and hair done and does the whole interview and then they bump her.
0: You know? uh, doesn't even make it to air. No,
1: and then the the guy that replaced her was Rick Santorum, and he's a political like commentator that gets paid for yeah. this, and he's all super anti it. Anyway, so oh, it's man. like she is all over it today oh. in the news, and and it's we'll tell you what I'll do is for our listeners, I'll post a link in our show notes to yep. that interview because they did put it on their site at least, and she's again the most articulate, yeah. nice just Sweet. comes off yeah. so great, you and know, and Anderson's
0: great with her, you know, but anyway. Well, you and I, we should clarify for people that are avid listeners and listened last week, and we said we're going somewhere elsewhere with this episode. We just decided, man, we need to bump that and, and revisit. Yeah, so if you're
1: tuning in or binge listening or whatever. Yeah, yeah. we had to we're jump in on this because it's going now. It's, and I, I got to tell our devoted listeners to the podcast that this is not a political issue for Heath and I. Sure. We're not advocating for the left or the right in this. We really aren't. And we're not just being chicken or weird about it. It's just, to me, that's a, that's missing the point. We, yeah. we do believe that this report was done in an unbiased and scientific method. We know Catherine, and she's a strong Christian, but she's only one of the scientists who contributed to this new assessment. And it seems undeniable that our weather has changed in recent years. And while I'm not a scientist, I I do read, I can read, and I'm inclined to believe the facts over opinions. And this new report is over 2,000 pages long with hundreds of peers reviewing it and their publications and citations. So this is no lightweight, this is not an opinion, this is a report. And so, though I've not read every word of it, I have read a bunch of it and, and tried to find all the articles I can. So we believe that it's less important to try and place blame for this shift in the climate And learn how to unite rather than divide over solutions. Let's let's unite over solutions and in a hope to offer help and assistance to those on our shared planet who have been most affected by what's going on. And unfortunately this is often people with the least in this world and who have very little resources available to them to recover from drought or famine or flooding or hurricanes and that kind of stuff. And so I want my head to be right on this. That's why I'm going to keep reading facts and talking to scientists when I get to and basing my understanding on fact, not opinion. And more importantly, I want my heart to be right and I want to offer a response for my life, and help others do the same that glorifies God and shows the world and those in need His true heart. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's right. what we want in this. That's our hope. And so I, I, I thought it'd be great to kind of revisit some of the stuff we learned from Catherine before.
0: Yeah, so let's jump into our interview with Catherine. Caesar and I will be back in a few minutes to wrap some things up with some practical ways that you can make a difference in this world today, starting right now in your own backyard. So let's listen in. Hey, Catherine, thanks for joining us today. Yeah! as someone who
1: studies climate change and even has the title of climate scientist and you're very obviously very well respected highly qualified um, what are you seeing Catherine the uh, in current trends when it comes to global warming like what should we be paying attention to
2: when we look at what's happening to our planet there's not a lot of cause for optimism unfortunately every new study that comes out come
1: on don't start us out on well, a bummer okay, come on
2: you can, we can start with a different question <laughs> no if kidding. You want, but the, the honest truth is every new study that comes out tells us that Arctic sea ice is melting faster or Antarctic is is fragmenting more quickly or the ocean circulation is slowing down. I mean, when we look at this planet, we have some serious concerns, not just about what's happening to the planet, but even more, what's going to happen to us, the people who live on it. But the biggest question I get these days is really what gives you hope and I do see hope. I see hope in the things that people are doing all around us. I see hope in how quickly the world is changing. I was just at a missions conference the other week, and there are the most incredible stories of young people who are starting nonprofits in sub-Saharan Africa to bring pay-as-you-go solar panels to people who have no electricity of any kind. I hear amazing stories of people helping Um, you know, with water resources and sustainable agriculture, helping the very poorest of the poor to develop, to improve their quality of living and to make them more resilient to a changing climate. So At the same time that there is serious concern and even anxiety when we look at what's happening in the science, when we look at what's happening with people, it is really amazing. And in fact, one of the favorite articles that I read over the last few months was an article um, looking at what Christians are doing in India. India is one of the poorest countries with one of the biggest populations in the world and it listed 10 very specific ways that climate change is affecting water resources in India, which of course is very important. And under each of those 10 ways, it listed either specific ways that Christian organizations are already helping people in India or specific ways that Christian organizations could help people in India deal with their water challenges.
1: Wow. That's, that is good news. That That's is really news. good. News.
2: It totally is.
1: I, I, I also have to ask sort of a part B or to, to that question is, um, because I, I just know, I mean, I just see too much wacky stuff out there on Facebook and people, you know, I, I just today I saw something where someone is completely trying to discredit that there's no such thing as global warming. How is this even possible that we still live in a world where, uh, both sides of the coin are being vehemently, you know, like banded about back out there. And, and then I guess really what I'm saying is why should our listeners believe what we're saying is like, I mean, I totally, I, I don't see how people can miss it, but you must get asked this a lot.
2: Every single day, <laughs> I, I get I get challenged, and it was back in the '80s that Isaac Asimov, who of course is a very famous science fiction writer, back in the '80s, he said that one of the most dangerous things permeating public discussion today is the dangerous notion that my opinion is more valid than your fact. Oh, well. My. Yeah, science fiction is certainly the the prophecy of our generation because that is the world we live in today.
1: Say it again. Say it again. It's too good.
2: The dangerous notion that my opinion is more valid than your fact.
1: Wow. Wow. I I heard something seriously similar recently. It said something Well, everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but not their own set of facts.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Yes.
2: (laughs) And so often when I talk to people, and I talk to a lot of people who have questions and doubts about this whole thing, because we hear a lot of very conflicting information every time we turn on the TV or the radio or go to our favorite website, I often start by telling people that I don't believe in global warming. I don't. Because as hmm. the author of Hebrews tells us, faith is the evidence of what is not seen. Whereas science is exactly hmm. the opposite, is the evidence of what we do see. So I don't believe in global warming. I believe in God. But I, we yeah. look at the evidence that God's creation Good. is telling us to say, yeah, the planet actually is warming. We can look at all the natural reasons why it's warmed in the past, like volcanoes and natural cycles and the sun. Every single one of those natural factors has an alibi. In fact, we should be getting cooler, not warmer, according to natural factors. The only reason we're warming is because we are digging up and burning massive amounts of coal and gas and oil, and it's wrapping an extra blanket around our planet. And that extra blanket is trapping more and more of the Earth's heat, and that's why we're running a fever.
0: So, Catherine, do you think um, the Bible talks about climate or even climate change, uh, or even our responsibilities as humans—
2: so we have this little PBS series called Global Weirding that's on YouTube. These short little five-minute videos. And, I love them, by the way. Oh, thank yeah. you. Our, <laughs> our most watched video is the Bible doesn't talk about climate change, does it? So many people have watched this video and it isn't necessarily a Christian series, but everybody's curious, does the Bible talk about climate change? Well, of course the Bible doesn't talk about climate change. It doesn't talk about many of the issues we deal with these days. It doesn't talk about issues of um, immigration or social justice or reform or those types of things. But the Bible does talk a lot about our attitudes and our actions. And so from Genesis 1, where it talks about how God gave us responsibility or stewardship or dominion over this planet, God put us in charge as caretakers over His creation and then all through the old testament it talks about god's love and joy and pleasure in creation how god cares about the tiniest flowers or animals as well as the galaxies and the stars and then through the new testament it talks about how we have been given a new heart to love others as christ loved us Mm, sacrificially taking care of the poor and the weak and the vulnerable the very people who are most affected by a changing climate in fact when you overlay a map of the poorest people in the world and a map of the most unreached people groups in the world and a map of those who are most vulnerable to the impacts of a changing climate, they overlap almost exactly. In fact, if, we, if we're if we people who take the Bible seriously, as all Christians should be, then we would be out at the front of the line demanding action on this critical issue. Wow.
1: Well, you just hit upon something I think is why it's so easy for— a large portion of I guess population or even media to sort of try to discount things or go,
0: yeah,
1: global warming. It's probably, it's probably a real deal, but yeah, whatever you just hit upon it. It's probably not going to affect the wealthier one or 2%, which we would all fall into nearly as quickly if ever, maybe if we get on the ball here as it's already affecting the least of these people in the, in the poor and lesser resource parts of our world. And, Boy, traditionally, and not just the church, but just as humans, we tend to not worry about it if it's not in my back air. Yeah.
2: hmm Yeah.
1: I think you've just hit on like the big, sort of the thing behind the thing. We talk about that a lot on Life School. It's like, what's the thing behind the thing? It's easy to forget about it because when I turn the tap, my water comes out. hmm Yep. I touch that thermostat, and it's exactly the temperature I want all day long, all that. You're
2: yeah. totally right because... There's this really awesome set of public opinion maps of the U.S. Um, called the, from the Yale Climate Communication Program. And they ask people all across the U.S. all kinds of questions. And so they ask, you know, do you think climate is changing? Do you think humans are responsible? And, you know, people are about 60-40 on that. Um, but then they say, do you think climate change will affect poor people in developing countries, everybody says yes, and then they say, do you think climate change will affect you personally? Everybody says no. Wow,
1: wow.
2: No matter, yes, no matter whether we think it's real or not, but here's the thing. This is actually what I study. I study what climate change means to us in the places where we live, and 15, 20 years ago, living in the U.S., we could have said, oh, you know, it's not affecting me. But the way that climate change affects us is it takes the risks that we already naturally face and it exacerbates them or amplifies them. And the last decade in the U.S., we have seen that happening to us. We have seen that wildfires are burning greater and greater areas. We have seen that heavy downpours and torrential rains are getting stronger and stronger, especially in the Northeast and the Midwest. The wildfires are getting bigger all across the Western U.S. We see that hurricanes, which are totally natural, they're getting stronger And they're, um, intensifying faster, you know, ramping up from a category one to two to three, all the way up to five faster. And we're seeing that our droughts are getting stronger, like they experienced in California and the one that we had in Texas too. So it's no longer the case that, that we, we are invulnerable. We are starting to recognize that, yeah, we're at risk too.
1: Boy, and there's a big difference between like even California drought. People are like, I can't water my lawn Yeah, it's dead anyway, you know, and I I have, I we have no water for for our crops, for our flock, for my kids. That there's a big difference in that. I, I, it almost it's like it needs to come home to roost a little bit, Catherine. Before I think that the some of the culprits that are us will start to take this a little more seriously.
0: Yeah. Well, and I love that you tie it back to Genesis one and the way we steward create. You know, I was made in the image of God, and in that video that I watched was you saying, as image bearers, we have to care about preserving the life of every living thing, uh, and so. That's part of our we, uh, image bearing. We
1: teach, Catherine, um, through the story. Like, the scripture as a story in, in our community, and just as I travel around the world teaching, I always revert back to story. And one of the things that comes right out of Genesis 1 is, like, why were humans created? And we, we call it the human job description, and it seems to like no matter who I've asked, and I've done this thousands of times, everybody comes up with the same three. It's like, uh, it seems like we were created to bear God's image. Um, can't just do. Um, hang out with him. And care for his stuff. You know, that's the third one everybody comes up with. And and that's why we're here. And it's like, wow, this is part of that. This is definitely part of the human job description. we got to care for this planet that we're all rolling around on. But see, I, my, I'm already, my heart's changed already. Because when I hear about it, it's like, it's one thing for me to think about. I'm caring for the planet because I'm supposed to or I get to. It's like, no, I'm caring for the least of these because this affects them so much more deeply and immediately and deeper. Oh, that's that's, that's so
0: huge. You know, you you. You have something that I read about you online that was really, uh, it kind of stopped me because I'd never heard it put this way before, but in your bio, you state that you don't just accept global warming on faith, but that you crunch the data and analyze the models. Um, As a Christian, can you speak into how science can help inform your faith versus the maybe traditional Christian model that faith always trumps science regardless of what the stats say
2: well here's my perspective if we believe that god created this amazing universe that we live in and that is what what we believe then what is science other than studying god's creation and trying to figure out how he makes it work
1: ah it's so simple and powerful that's awesome awesome okay so i read an article um not too long back in Slate Magazine about five arguments that evangelical Christians should care about climate change. In other words, reasons why. Okay. Uh, do you remember that? Yes. Yes, I do. Do you mind walking us through those and kind of unpacking that a little bit? Or maybe you have completely different reasons, but it was it was cool because it was specific five reasons that evangelical Christians should care about this. And so I think we've kind of hit upon at least one.
2: We did. Um, and, and also, too, this is another story behind the story. So one of the, the first kind of really underlying myth that we've bought into that we often don't really fully recognize or verbalize is the idea that it doesn't matter to me. It might matter to future generations or people far away, but not me. That's the first one. And this, the second myth we've bought into is I'm not the right type of person to care if i'm already an environmentalist i vote liberal i wear birkenstocks in the winter <laughs> wait a minute I bite you're describing work. the
1: pacific northwest where we live okay perfect
2: <laughs> yeah yeah there you go if if i'm from you know portland or heaven forbid seattle or tacoma
0: <laughs> <then> <laughs> ouch
2: <laughs> yeah, no no but But if you know, if I'm a fiscal conservative, if I'm a Southern Baptist, if I vote Republican, if I support a healthy economy, if I support the the armed forces, then then we've bought into this myth that I'm not the type of person to care. Whereas the reality is is that if we are a Christian, if we take the Bible seriously, if we actually believe it is the foundation of our belief system, not the world, not our political ideology but what God's word actually says, then we are the exact people to care. And so the reasons that we laid out, that I laid out were, first of all, um, Conservation is conservative. If we truly are conservative
0: people. Ooh, same word.
2: Conser- <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the same word. Conserving what God gave us is a natural part of who we are. Um, this, the second reason is because we believe that God gave us responsibility over this planet. One of people's favorite arguments is, you know, if God's in control, this could never happen. But right there in Genesis 1, it says that God actually gave us responsibility That's on so behalf great. of him. So if we've been given responsibility by the person we respect most in this universe, don't we want to carry out that responsibility to the absolute best yep. of our ability? I mean, it just makes sense, right? Yeah,
1: but see we have this view of that God gave us responsibility, but he's this he's this grumpy dad who's kind of standing there watching us do it badly and he's pissed off about it.
2: <laughs> right. Instead
1: right. instead of believing what it said, it's like, no, he gave us the responsibility. It's yours. What a cool gift. What an amazing thing. Steward it well. Care for it. Conserve it. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm, exactly. And, and take joy and pleasure in it. Um, then, then the next reason was um, the fact that even if we believe, you know, the world's going to end, a lot of people say, well, the world's going to end anyway, so why do we care? There's a lot going on in the New Testament where people are saying, oh, well, the world's going to end. Christ returns tomorrow or the next day. So I'm just going to sit back and, you know, fold my hands and wait. And the Apostle Paul, who you have to love, wrote to these people and said, get a job, (laughs) you know, take care of your family, take care of the widows and the orphans and the poor. You don't know when the day or the time is. But in the meantime, we are called to share God's love with other people. And that's who we believe we are. We are not passive fatalists who have a ticket to heaven we are people who have actually have god's spirit living in us to share god with the world that's who we've been made we've been made into someone people who have a mission we have good works prepared for us to walk in we're told
1: yeah Yeah. here now right that's not someday we'll fly away that's like now prepared good works. Mm -hmm. let's do them we get yeah we get to right yeah
2: right here in front of us yeah um and then one one interesting point that people often get hung up on is they say well but if i get on board with the whole idea that climate is changing and humans are responsible then i have to believe everything i have to believe the four billion year old earth i have to believe evolution i have to believe the Mm -hmm. entire package of science and i would say to them actually no because to agree that humans are affecting this amazing planet that we live on we don't have to agree that the Earth is any more than 300 years old, because that's when the Industrial Revolution started, and that's when the human influence on on our climate really took off. Hmm. And as far as I know, just about everybody agrees that the world is at least 300 years old.
1: At least, okay, yeah. maybe not, maybe not some of the flat Earthers, but <laughs> the most people are going to be on board with us. It's at least 300. I think my grandmother was half that old. I think so. there's yeah. a few people in my choir that were here at the yeah at the beginning of that. Yeah, at your church, the <laughs> choir, the choir director, about one. 40, 145. Yeah, that's though. right. <laughs> now, that's crazy. Oh, what a, what a cool, simple way of seeing it, though, because it's, it's not. Like, we don't have to chuck the whole argument because we we can't, in other words, argue out a billion years. Yeah. <laughs> if we can agree there was an industrial revolution when we started burning everything for, for heat and power and things started warming up after that, then, okay, there's our starting point. Yeah.
2: Exactly, uh, t- yes. Um, and then, then the last reason, I think, is really the most powerful reason, and that is because Caring about this issue is exactly who we're created to be. Uh, The reason why I personally care so passionately about a changing climate is because it is exacerbating all of the humanitarian issues that are already leading to enormous suffering today. Mm -hmm. Hunger, poverty, poverty. Refugee crises, injustice, one in six deaths around the world today are related to pollution. Much of that is coming from burning fossil fuels. I mean, Uh I grew up as a missionary kid in South America, and I know what it looks like to live on the edge to where when disaster happens, it isn't a matter of like calling up your insurance company or waiting till FEMA or the National Guard shows up to rescue you. I mean, you know, thousands of people die in developing countries from natural disasters that we are relatively insulated from here. And again, the number one reason that we care about a changing climate is because it's taking these natural disasters and it's amping them up. It's putting them on steroids. It's making them stronger and more frequent, which means that decade by decade, we are seeing more and more suffering and even death as a result of a changing climate. And that's why I care. And I really believe all of us as Christians are created to be the very people to care about this.
0: You're so right. You know, like it's funny cuz the church that I grew up in was the mindset exactly the opposite. Like, you know, God gave us the earth, he's sovereign, he'll take care of it. So, you know, blow up things and you drive your F150s and you know, it was a whole different viewpoint than this conserv or than this conservation or even Christians entering into the redemption and, and restorative nature of creation care, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mhm. So Uh, We get too freaked
1: by it. Yeah, we do. You've articulated it so well. We really do think that to be on the side of uh, believing that the planet's getting warmer and it's causing huge problems puts us into this other crazy pile of stuff that we don't even know about or we're we're freaked to be associated with or all that. Yeah. Well, this is good. Super clarifying.
0: So, Catherine, last question. We'll let you go. Um, What would you say to people? I, I would have a hard time believing that somebody's listening to the facts and the data right now and even your heart that you're putting into this and going, eh, not moved. I think everybody listening is probably feeling some sort of conviction or something maybe stirring up inside of them. What would be some suggestions on maybe first steps that you would, you would put out there for, for followers of Jesus who are feeling moved by this episode and want to move towards being more responsible for every living thing?
2: Mm -hmm. Well, if you're looking for more info, there are lots of great resources out there. The National Association of Evangelicals has a report it wrote called Loving the Least of These, which directly connects poverty and suffering to caring about a changing climate. The Evangelical Environmental Network, uh, the Catholic Climate Coalition, there's all kinds of faith-based organizations that provide enormous amount of great resources for people if you're looking to dig a little deeper and go further. We also have our global weirding videos, of course, online. And I try to put a lot of the resources that I have on my website as well, which is just my name,
1: CatherineHayhoe.com. And we'll put that in the notes. For people oh, on that so. killer website, yeah. yeah thank you. <laughs> that you but, created yourself.
2: But if people, if people are asking, what is the most important thing that I can do? Because so often we feel like we're told to change a light bulb or start recycling Yes, those actually do make a difference. You know, if every household in the U.S. changed one light bulb for one of those new LEDs that you can get anywhere these days for a couple of dollars, that would be equivalent to taking almost a million cars off the road. I mean, so that actually does have an impact. Yeah. But if there's one thing, the most important thing we can do about this, it is talk about it. Because do you know over 75% of people around the entire United States don't even hear somebody else talking about climate change more than once or twice a year.
0: Wow. Yeah, I, that's unbelievable. Did they not turn on the news ever?
2: <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't get talked about much in the news. It never came up in the presidential debates. But thankfully, we're talking about it here. So yeah. the number one thing we can do is talk about it and and not argue over the science because that never changes anybody's minds. The sure. most important thing to do is to speak from the heart about why we care about it and to talk about really incredible positive solutions that are exciting and that are worth getting on board with. And so on my Facebook page, I try to make sure I have at least one, if not two positive posts every single week that people can use to talk about. And the post this past week was about how churches are doing energy audits. And this guy who actually graduated from our university, Texas Tech, and then went to Gordon-Conwell Seminary and then graduated with a master's in ethics and missions and decided that his mission was to start an energy audit company for churches and and, uh, seminaries and colleges to help them reduce their carbon footprint, save money, and then have more money to spend on their missions budget. I mean, how cool, so cool is that? What church yeah, doesn't want so to spend creative. more money? Yeah, so, yeah. Awesome. Um, and, and I, I, I had this awesome picture of a church that put solar panels on the roof, and they put a cross-shaped hole in the solar panels. Well,
1: of course they did. <laughs>
2: yes,
1: <laughs> uh, well, that's, that's that's how they talked the board into it. But that's good. I mean. <laughs>
2: Exactly, <laughs> and it doesn't uh, have to be that. I mean, you know, the average yeah. church saves thirty to fifty thousand dollars a year just with, you know, conservation, which again is conservative. So there, wow. there's just, I mean, there's so many cool things going on in um, <laughs> in developing countries, um, in uh, you know, the fact that here in Texas we have twenty five thousand local jobs in the wind energy industry, which is amazing. Yeah, um, the fact awesome. that Fort Hood, which is the biggest Military base in the US went with wind and solar last year to save taxpayers $150 million. Um, there's Jeez. just super cool stuff that we can yeah. talk about. And I love talking about how Christians are getting in there and how um, we can serve as a witness to people saying, yes. We take our responsibility seriously and we genuinely care about people who are suffering in this world.
0: Man, listening to that Caesar, I'm just reminded of how much I always love listening to Catherine. Wow. She's articulate, she's passionate. Oh man. She's Jesus lover. And my heart is moved again.
1: Yeah. Like in the right ways, man. Because like, I'm not Mr. Science, but I go, Wow. Like what we do yeah. we has consequence and we have we get choice, right? So one Absolutely. thing Catherine said in her interview with Anderson Cooper, and again I'll throw the link on the show notes, was that often we're And I know I've done this, that often we're confusing air pollution with carbon pollution. Yeah. And air pollution is the stuff we can see in the air, and that's not healthy either, and we need to cut that down. But it's carbon pollution that's the issue. We don't see that, but it lasts for hundreds of years, and that's the stuff that's responsible for our changing climate. Hmm. And I did a little Googling, and Americans emit a whopping over 16 tons of carbon per person per year according to the World Bank. Jeez. And you go like, what's that? That's impossible. I just put out a bag of trash every week. Well, but <laughs> everything we buy is produced burning fossil fuel in our cars and the trucks that deliver it and all that. So that's how they figure that out. And now the good news is that number's not as bleak as it was in the 70s when emissions were hovering around 22.5 tons of carbon per person here in our country. Hmm. But it's still way above the goals that were set for 2050 by the Paris Climate Accords. So we got a long way to go. So here's what I thought. Today... Right. Instead of uh, our normal big three takeaways as right. we traditionally do them, I want to give uh, our listeners a summary of a bunch of things that we can all get started on today and it'll help them reduce our dangerous carbon levels. And uh, yeah. let me just say this. If, if you're listening and you go, I think this is all hooey and untrue, and you're getting ready to like send us some nasty stuff on Facebook, <laughs> you get to. Sure. Then do nothing with what we're about to share and hope for the best. If you do think that the climate is shifting, at least in some ways, and you want to be a part of the solution— Then this is for us. Yeah. Okay. I love that, man. Let's jump into that. Okay. So, um, there, this, I, you know, I'm going to give you the links to these lists and I can't go over all of them, but I'm just going to, I'm going to pepper some to show you how just how easy it can be. So like in our houses, you can add solar panels to your home. My neighborhood is full of them increasingly. You're like, well, that's pretty expensive. Yeah. Well, on the short term, but it starts feeding you back and everybody I know is making money on their panels, but it changes, right? Uh, get a home energy audit. And it'll show you how much energy you're consuming and tips on how to, you know, save, which is going to save you money, but it's also going to reduce your energy, which reduces our carbon footprint, right? Change out your light bulbs to LEDs, you know, when they burn, I'm not saying going through your house and spend, but when they burn out, they're they're just about the same price these days. They're only a little bit more, right? Um, Clean or replace your, your HVAC filters, your, your heating and air conditioning filters, right? Uh, use a programmable thermostat so it's not just cranking the whole time, but when you're gone All or when you're long, sleeping, right? Yeah. So there's a million things. Wash your clothes in cold water, unless it's just grease fest or something, right? <laughs> um, recycle your clothes. Like, don't just throw your stuff out. Give it to someone else to use, right? You, yeah. you know, pass on kids' clothing. Um, when you buy new appliances, make sure you get the Energy Star label. Stuff like that, right? Yeah. There's so, I mean, it's lists and lists and lists I could give you. Stuff that you, you know, soup, Super easy that you can just do in your home. How about on your table? Uh, plant a garden or plant a community garden. So you're you're actually planting it locally. It doesn't have to be trucked in, sure. shipped in, flown in. Like we, we planted strawberries this year. My God, it went nuts, man. The first year, I don't even know what's going to happen next year. <laughs> didn't have to be trucked in anywhere. Yeah. Little Patton could walk himself out there, eat strawberries till his you know face was you know so cool. packed. Um, eat less meat. Right. Going local for food matters, but not as much as methane, apparently cows and pigs and all that stuff. So eat a little less meat. I'm Polish. I really this one hit me hard, but I'm (laughs) like, okay, it's pretty convicting. Right. But it's an idea. Um, Don't drink bottled water. Landfills are already containing like millions and millions of tons of plastic bottles. So get a reusable water bottle. That sounds like a good idea, right? So your own gardens and all that. How about start composting? So you're still throwing even less stuff in the trash that the truck that's like, you know, the black smoke outside your house once a week. Less of that, less trucks need all that, right? It all seems like nothing. But when you're talking to millions and millions of people. It adds up. Oh my gosh. (laughs) How about along the way, just in life, walk a little bit more, ride your bike a little bit more, try to work from home one day each week. If you know, everybody would love that. Right. You know how many people I know said like, ah, they don't let me do that work. Here's the thing. Ask. And they're like, sure. As long as you're getting your stuff done, we don't care. You know? Then all of a sudden they realize, wait a minute. If everybody did it, we'd, we'd need 25% less desks and computers and space. And so, you know, or if you're an employer, let your people work from home one day each week. How about that? Right. map a 2 cycle circle around your own house and try to walk to anything that's within that that's a that's you know 20 to 25 minute walk if you can yep. uh, only wash your car in a self-service car wash so it's a, it's way it's like it's like a third to water or something like that wow. it's so little or wash it at home and you're going to use just a few gallons there is tons of that uh, download a transit app and and share rides right yep. with either buses or you know when you get the Uber thing or lift or whatever it's like way cheaper to get a shared ride yeah. don't, don't be so you know like get the shared ride i do it every time hmm. i because i don't what do riding. i care you know i'm going the same place <laughs> well it could take longer uh five minutes but if everybody started you know what yeah. i mean so that's kind of how I, I look at all this there's so much stuff um pick up trash bring bring some bags when you're out walking your dog so that's being a good person first off don't leave your dog everywhere but then also pick up whatever you see right and my wife and i do that constantly people probably think we're nuts um (laughs) anyway you get the point Uh, i when you download the big three this week i'm going to give you hundreds of those ideas through a source that sets you know sets of links yeah and And I'm not, and there's way, I mean, there's just way more information than I can say because for each one of these, and there's hundreds, there's a bunch of info and then there's links to help and where you can do this and how to like find
0: others who want to do it in your town. And I mean, it is a lot. Okay. We're going to give you a ton of stuff this week for free. Yeah. And you can get it by going to one, two, three, lifeschool.com forward slash big three. And for those of you who think I just misspoke, we actually changed it. So we're not doing the episodes anymore. It's just one, two, three, lifeschool.com forward slash big three. And you're going to get the notes for this week's big three takeaways. Yeah.
1: I'm going to give you a ton. I'm going to give you a ton of resources. And I would say don't get overwhelmed by it. Pick one. Yeah. You know, one out of the hundreds that we'll send you. Pick one thing or two, you know. Give it a shot. There's at least a couple that are like just no-brainers and I'm going to start doing it. Yeah, why not, save me a buck, you know, so.
0: Hey, if you haven't yet joined our Facebook group, we'd love to have more of a conversation, and I'm sure this episode's going to spur on a ton of conversation. You can join the group by going to Facebook and up in the search bar, typing in Life School Podcast. Caesar or I will approve you to the group and jump on into that piece of our family. Uh, and next week, we're the group, actually the gonna... group's grown a lot. It is and good it's conversation. Getting, it's getting more funner. <laughs> and there's a thing that people in, in two in two weeks from now. Or three weeks from now, if you haven't been part of the Facebook group, you don't get to participate in the in the special episode we're doing with the Ask You the Questions off yeah, the fly. So it gives us good input to... Stumped Caesar. Stump the the stumped chump. Caesar challenge. <laughs> stump the chump. I like that. <laughs> hey, uh, next week we're actually going to continue with what we were going to do this week as we talk about the four truths about God that will forever challenge and hopefully change your parenting style uh, yep. and, and for those of you who are like well I'm not a parent I'm going to skip next week nah, this is going to be for you too because it's you not totally just will, for parents because
1: it's all about the heart and how we really respond to people yeah exactly in this case it'll be little
0: ones but yeah you'll all love it It'll join us yeah. for that thanks for joining us today if you want more information you can visit 123lifeschool.com forward slash podcast <laughs>